0: Good morning, Greater Alton. How are you all doing today? Today we are closing out our series on fear. We've named it Fear Anoya. We We uh, picked it specifically for the month of October to coincide with Halloween. And I spoke, opened up uh, at the beginning of the month, talking about how fear is a reality. And fear is talked about in the Bible over and over and over again. And how fear literally stands in opposition to our faith. And that you have a choice of how you're going to live your life. You're either going to live it in fear, and let fear either influence or, dare I say, control the way you think, act, and feel. Or you can live by faith. And I just want to tell you, if you are living in fear, unless it's the fear of the Lord, it's the fear of God... Uh, you're not living by faith. And if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, have made Him Lord of your life, and say that He's Lord of your life, He wants you to live by faith. So whenever you're living by fear, there is an opportunity. You are seeing an opportunity to live the way Jesus wants you to live, the way your Lord wants you to live. Instead of regretting it and moaning about it, you can look for that opportunity and take advantage of it. We've talked about recognizing our fears, and Tim spoke last week about overcoming our fear of rejection, specifically. I thought he did a wonderful job of looking at how we can let our faith overcome our fear of rejection. And today we're kind of closing it out, and yes, we planned it this way of being the Sunday before Halloween, and we are going to be talking about our fear of death. When you talk about fear of death, it can be a very serious thing. And uh, on the other hand, it may be something that you think right off the bat, I don't have a fear of. But I've found, for me in particular, that death is something that I don't really like to talk about. Okay, I've avoided the topic. I've uncomfortable with the topic. I was uncomfortable going to funerals for the longest time until somebody gave me the very wise advice to show up and shut up. And all that means is people don't need to hear a bunch of words. They need your presence there. They, don't, they need comforted. Uh, you don't have to have the right words. It's more important that you show up than you have a lot of things to say. Uh, and like I say, very uncomfortable with it. I mean, most of us know we've had, we've had some deaths here in Greater Walton over the last several years. Tom Tarantino lost his wife Jackie one year ago. Uh, we lost Janet McBride earlier in the year. And we all know about Stephanie Gill, uh, passing uh, after a, a decades-long battle with breast cancer. And, guys, uh, Stephanie was a close friend of ours. I mean, my wife was the, the maid of honor in her wedding. Uh, Stephanie often referred to Susan as, as her best friend. We spent, we had a, a number of occasions, let me say, that we were, had Steph and Danny at our house, or we were out with them, uh, and we would talk. But I was very uncomfortable. I did not... Talk with Stephanie till the end about her facing death. Why? I'm a little uncomfortable. Dare I say uncomfortable means I'm afraid of talking about it. And I'm guessing I'm not the only one. Okay? But I am going to give you a little a little spoiler alert. Okay, I'm going to call this a spoiler alert for life. I'm going to die. Okay? You're going to die. I, don't, I hope I didn't burst anybody's bubble here today. But that is a reality of life. Everyone in this room, unless you're alive, when Jesus comes back, and we have no idea when He's going to come back, is going to physically die. I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to be silly. It is a reality. And so for us to avoid it and to not even think about it or to not talk about it, is doesn't make a lot of sense. We need to prepare ourselves for it. I've heard of people, you know, who refuse to make out a will. They have great financial holdings, but they refuse to make out a will because they refuse to think about the fact that they're going to die. And guys, that's that's the way it is. And when you look at our, our society today, it's something that we don't talk about and we... We do everything in our power to try to avoid. I was just talking with Don Yoder uh, before church started, between services, and and Don was talking about he just put his 94-year-old mother in a nursing home. And he said, the nursing home is full of people their age. He said, 300 people her age. I think that's an exaggeration. But he said, "And, and what's keeping them alive is medication. And it's, guys, we we see this. I believe it's, you know, obviously there's a financial benefit for the medical field on that. But it's also, we don't like to let go. We cling to life with it all, with, with everything we have, with everything possible. I remember watching my grandparents, especially my grandma, and I'm thinking, why doesn't she let go? And I'm thinking, well, she's lived 87 or 88 years trying to stay alive. And it's not something we just let go of. And guys, when you get into talking about death and talking about fear of death, I think it opens up another area, okay? Because I'm sure there's somebody in here that either don't think about it or, or, you know, if you ask, go, no, I'm not really afraid. I don't think about it, but I can't say as I'm afraid to die. Okay? But at the same time, we fear what we'll get out of life. And I know this is a funny story. I believe I've told it before. I want to say I was 8 to 10 years old when I had this this thought process. I can tell you where I was in the neighborhood I grew up in. I was probably more in the 10 to 12 year old range just from what I'm about to tell you. But I remember being by a friend's house. And I don't know if we were... I may have even had a conversation with somebody. I don't remember that much. But I had this fear as a pre-adolescent male that I was going to die without ever getting to have sex. Okay? And that's the way pre-adolescent males and teenage males think. Alright? That's just the reality of life. And that carries on into all kinds of things. Where you get, you get out of high school, maybe out of college, and you're single, and there's n- you're not dating anyone, there's no prospects on the horizon, and you fear what? That you will never get married. Or maybe you fear, maybe you're 30 years old, And you've yet to establish your career. And you think, how am I ever going to do anything in this world? And you think about how you will be remembered. Maybe you get older, you know, in your 50s. And you wonder, what will my legacy be? Is this life of mine going to just be wasted? And you see, guys, I believe that when we talk about a fear of death, we need to talk about these other fears as well. Because how we feel about death affects how we live today. That is the reality of the situation. And we we need to address that. Just let me say before I get into it a little bit more. I've come to understand that all these fears that I just talked about with myself were... Were, these fears were basically selfish and ignorant. I mean, that I didn't have an understanding of what life was supposed to be like, of what God intended life to be like. And so guys, we want to look at this, and we want to start out looking at a couple passages in Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3, and this goes along with our spoiler alert that everybody dies. But in Genesis chapter 2, what you see taking place is God is talking with Adam. He's already created him. He's put him in his garden. And these are his instructions to him. It says the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, or when you eat from it, you will certainly die. In Genesis chapter 3, after giving these instructions, most of you are familiar with the story. Uh, Adam now has a wife. Uh, She talks to the snake. They're tempted to eat it. They both eat it. And God pronounces judgment on them for this. And this is what He tells Adam specifically. He says, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Now guys, what is significant to me when I look at these passages and I'm learning to look at these first three chapters of Genesis more and try to dig deeper and understand them more. But the, the big thing that jumps out at me from this that I think we need to understand is that when God created man, He did not intend for us to ever die. He intended for us to live forever. I encourage you to go back and read the rest of this chapter in Genesis 3, and you'll see that one of the things that He also did was He he kicked them out of the garden and He put an angel in front of the gate, to not let them back in, with a flaming sword. And the reason for that was very clear, was that he did not want them to eat from the tree of life and live forever. This is kind of a side note. Now that may have been an act of mercy, because he did not want them to live forever in sin. Okay? I mean, I'm sorry. I am excited about eternal life. You're going to hear about this as we talk today. But I have to tell you, if I have to live forever in this world we live in right now, I don't know if I'm going to sign up. Okay? Go on Facebook. There's a bunch of negative baloney out there. Listen to the news. Nobody gets along. There's problems all over the place. And those problems are not going to go away until this world ends. And you see, guys, so that was... God's said, I'm not going to let man go on forever in this state. Which was kind of a prophecy for us. But, what, but the, the whole idea is God intended for us to live forever. That was His intent. Now, guys, as you look at that, and you realize God wanted us to live forever, yet everybody's going to die That really brings us to to what I like to call the good news. And you need to understand this. The good news, this part of the gospel, is that Jesus made a way to free me from my fear of death. Literally, He made a way to free me from the sting of death. From the penalty of death. Well, Gary, you just told me we're going to die. Okay, we'll get into this. But guys, that is the good news. And just, again, another side note, I'm sorry if I'm making too many side notes, but I have a lot of thoughts here. When it comes to sharing the gospel with someone, I don't care how you term it, if you term it, I'm sharing my faith, uh, I'm, I'm helping somebody become a Christian. When it comes to sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus, I've come to understand that I need to look at Genesis 2 and 3 with somebody. I need to show them that God intended for us to live forever. The penalty of sin is we're going to die. Because then all of a sudden the good news of Jesus is the sting of death has been taken away. and eternal life. We can get it back. And that's awesome news. I think good may be too light of a word. It is just incredible when you think about living forever. Look at these passages here um, in 1 Corinthians 15. Just another thought here, okay, before we read those, is just to put it in modern day language and movie language. Genesis 2 and 3 is the prequel to the gospel. Okay, you know how a prequel in a movie tells you what you didn't know before? You know, I've known the good news of Jesus, but I didn't really pay attention to Genesis 2 and 3 the way I should have. It's like a prequel. Anyway... 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now guys, I've got to tell you, and I've spoken on this a handful of times this year, and it seems like it always comes up when I'm up here, and I'm not apologizing for that at all. But 1 Corinthians 15 is about one thing. One has one big idea or big truth in it. And that is, the followers of Jesus are going to all be a part of what's called the resurrection. And that's when eternal life begins. And that's what he's saying here when he's talking about this and the reality of the resurrection, that Jesus was the first to be born from the dead, And He is the proof that we get to be reborn from the dead, that we get to be resurrected as part of the resurrection. He's saying, where, O death, is your victory? And it says that death has been swallowed up in life. And you see, guys, that's the awesome part about it. As a follower of Jesus, this is fundamental to our faith. Let's read this verse in Hebrews chapter 2. I'm actually going to begin in verse 14. Uh, that's not going to be in your notes or on the screen because it wouldn't fit. But it says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too, talking about Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. And folks, I've got that in there just so you know that what Jesus did, the effect of Jesus living and dying and resurrecting from the dead, was to free us from a slavery to a fear of death. Okay? So if you are living in a fear of death right now, you need to understand that you don't have to do that. Jesus lived the life He did and died on the cross and was resurrected from the dead after three days so that you wouldn't have to. And I'm not going to begin to cover it all here today. This is really just blowing the topic wide open. And I hope, especially if you're one of those people who do fear death, you can look at this a lot deeper and come to a greater understanding and a greater faith in it. You see, guys, most of us, like I said, we don't think about it. I've shared about her often because I get the privilege of speaking with Debbie Weiler on a regular basis. And as most of you know, Debbie was diagnosed with stage 4 breast cancer uh, approximately 14, 15 months ago. And, you know, Debbie was like the rest of us going through life and not really thinking about it. And the only difference between Debbie and us is she has a better idea of when and how it's going to come. I mean, that's the, the truth of the matter. Back to what I was saying, we're all going to die. And Debbie has said she'll talk to you, she'll talk to you about it. You want to ask her about it, talk to her. She's not in here right now, she's in the back of the kids. But talk to Debbie about it, and she will share with you her faith. And she will share with you about the way she felt when she first got the diagnosis. And how over the last year, her faith has, been, has grown. She has lost her fear of death. She thanks God for the cancer because it has opened her eyes and helped her to grow. And guys, we need to understand, that's what Jesus died for. Debbie doesn't face death. She's not facing this diagnosis. And she's been, As you know, cancer doesn't mean what it used to mean. When I was in high school, if you heard somebody had cancer, you know what it meant? They're going to die pretty quick. Okay, I talked to Jim Simpson last night, and Jim also has stage four cancer, and he was diagnosed in 2014. I, as you know, I was Santa Claus at the, at the, uh, Treats from the Trunk, and, uh, I was asked, I was joking around with Jim, I said, what do you want? And he says, another year. And he did not expect if you would have asked him in 2014, do you expect to be asking Santa Claus for another year in 2017? He would have said no. But things have changed. And where you can live longer, but you do know. They do know the end is coming. But guys, you need to understand, Jesus has broken that power. That is good news. So today we want to talk about three things, or three ways that I will overcome my fear of death. And they are, number one, I will overcome my fear of death, number one, when I change the way I think and feel. I tried to make that as simple as possible. What I really mean is you've got to really live by faith. How do you change the way you feel? Well, the Bible calls this repentance. Now, traditionally, if you heard the word repentance, or you need to repent, somebody tells you you need to repent, they're going to say, well, you need to change the way you live, you need to stop doing these things, you need to feel sorry, you need to feel guilty, you need to feel ashamed. Okay? When you go back and look... At the word that is translated from Greek into our English word repent, that's not what it means. Here's the, here's the definition that we got. The word translated that we normally say repent means to undergo a change in frame of mind and feeling. To make a change of principle and practice. To reform. You see, guys, that's what he's talking about. In Acts 2.38, where Peter's telling to the Christians, Repent and be baptized. He's telling them, you need to change the way you think about Jesus. You see, because up to that point, they thought about Jesus as a blasphemous criminal who deserved to die on the cross. Now, I do believe they felt guilty about that and that they, they put him on that cross. But he's saying, you need to change the way you think. And he tells them that's what Acts 2 is about, that sermon there. If you go back and read it, I encourage you to do that. He's talking about Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the anointed one. He's the one that the prophets told us was coming. He wasn't just another teacher. He wasn't just another prophet. He was the Son of God. And you need to change the way you think about Him. And guys, that's the same way. When when it comes to overcoming my fear of death, I've got to change the way I think and feel. And I believe ultimately that means you've got to stop living by sight and start living by faith. That is the choice that you need to make. Look at this in Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. It says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. See, guys, you change the way you think, it's refreshing. If you change the way you think about death, and you go from fear, dare I say, to almost excitement, I'm not ready to die, but I'm kind of getting excited about it. Can I tell you, be honest with you? And I'm not trying trying to be morbid. There's a lot of things in this world, in this life, that I hope to continue to do. That I hope to continue on with. But the alternative as a believer of Jesus in dying, it looks pretty good. It really, really does. It's it's refreshing. Look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. This is what it says. It says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now let me ask you, are you going to live differently if you learn to view death the way God says you should view death? You know, you heard the country song, live like you were dying. If you know you're going to die, you're going to change the way you think and feel. And again, I point back to Debbie Wilder, Her faith has grown tremendously. Because it became a reality. And she had to decide if she was really going to believe this. If she was really going to live that way. You see guys, if you change from living by sight to living by faith, you've got to have faith in what God says. And in what Jesus did. And you have to have faith in something called the resurrection. I told you earlier I was I was extremely uncomfortable to talk about death, and I avoided when I had the opportunity to talk with Stephanie Gill before she passed. I avoided it until several weeks before her death. My wife and I went to have communion, to take communion to Stephanie and Danny, and uh, I just decided to address it straight on as we were preparing. To remember Jesus. I said, you know guys, I just said, Stephanie, your death has challenged me. Do I really believe what Jesus tells me about this resurrection stuff? You see, because I'm going to miss you, Steph. But if, if, if I believe what Jesus says, this death is just going to be a momentary interruption in our relationship. See, that's what it says. And I'll get to talking about eternity in a minute. Guys, it's a momentary interruption in our relationship. That's what death is. If I'm going to believe what Jesus says, I need to act that way. I need to change the way I think and feel. See, guys, the reality is, is death is not something that can be avoided or it's not to be feared. Instead, it's an opportunity to strengthen my faith and decide if I really believe what I claim I believe. Second thing, if I'm going to overcome my fear of faith, I need to think about eternity daily. To think about eternity daily. See guys, it's my opinion that the main message of the Gospel is that God has reversed the curse that we read about in Genesis 3. And specifically this punishment of death. He has reversed it. That doesn't mean anything to me unless I understand the reality of it. There's a passage here in your notes. Uh, It's the last passage there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And this explains, I believe, the reality of this. It says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You see guys, here's the, the, the reality of the situation is. We can only barely begin to grasp eternity. I've got... Most of you saw this. Some of you probably remember when several months ago we took this and a roll this same size and we strung it through all the seats and everybody grabbed a handful of it and then we kept running it around the room after it was all done. It took Madison 15 or 20 minutes, whatever, to string it through the room. And it's because it was a long piece of string, not because he was slow. And we asked everybody to grab a hold... Of a piece like that, and that that represented the length of your life, and this represents eternity. And you see, guys, the reality of the situation is taking another farther, a little bit farther, and we're going to look at this in a minute, but in, in James chapter 4, it says that your life is a mist that appears for a little while and then disappears. I mean, literally, in the scheme of eternity, your life shows up, and it's gone. It's burned up before, just like that little piece of string, before you know it, it's gone. It's over with. Okay? Now what you got left as a believer of Jesus is a lie. Okay? So if I know that my life is this brief moment that's going to poof and be gone, and this is what I get after that, Do I really want to sweat the details of this life? Do I really want to worry about that? I mean, all of a sudden, I'm not afraid of death. I'm kind of eager for it. And I'm not running towards death, guys, but it sure looks good. (laughs) Eternity looks great. And you see, guys, you need to understand that. I will die, but as a follower of Jesus, I will rise to live forever. How much do you think about that? How much do you talk with somebody, with your friends, with your fellow followers of Jesus, about living forever? I was amazed. I mean, you know, you do a word search. I encourage you, go to BibleGateway.com. And use their search feature to search for eternal life. And you will be amazed. I think it's the theme of the book of John. All by itself. But even all through the New Testament. And I've I've come to the conviction about something. If you want to disagree with me, you, you can. You'll be wrong. But I've come to the conviction that if the early Christians talked about something a lot and thought it was important, and the men that God entrusted with writing the New Testament to us referenced something a lot, I should probably pay attention to it. Is that fair to say? I mean, that's that's simple. I've got John 3.16 in your notes. I used to be so tired of seeing the sign, John 3.16, everywhere on TV. Sports games, you know, in the background, somebody sit behind there, somebody put it on their hat. And they, then they've gotten even quicker down to just putting it to John to 3.16 and everybody knows what it means. And I got annoyed for that for reasons that I, I, I shouldn't have. But what happened was I tended to ignore John 3.16 and not pay much attention to John 3.16. Because I thought the people who were talking about John 3.16 were all talking about all you have to do is Believe. Okay, and I know there's more to following Jesus than just an intellectual belief and acknowledgement of His existence and His sacrifice. But John 3.16, let's read it together. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Guys, I don't know about you, but I want eternal life. I'm a believer in Jesus. This says I get it. Look at this next passage in Romans chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. It says, God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth, and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. See guys, these are just about two places that eternal life is talked about. And it is talked about everywhere. It's talked about in Ephesians. It's talked about in Colossians. It's talked about in 1st and 2nd Corinthians. It is talked about. It is what is promised. It is the reality of following Jesus. And my question is, how much do you pay attention to it? You see guys, if you... You fear death. You need to understand reality, eternity. And if you are consumed with with fears about your life and what you might not get, or what difficulties you may have to put up with, or that you are putting up with, you need to understand eternity. And you need to give attention to that, because that is foundational to your faith in Jesus. Third thing guys, if we are going to overcome our fear of faith is we need to confess Jesus as Lord daily, okay say it duh All right you've claimed to follow Jesus he's your Lord I'm asking you to confess it to verbalize it daily why? well there's this passage in James chapter four that I just referenced, and let's look at that together It says now listen. You who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Sounds like a good idea to me. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say... If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Now guys, that last sentence there says, If it is the Lord's will. You may have heard the saying. You may have heard people, it's kind of an old saying, where somebody will say, well, I'm going to do something. They'll say, are you going to come over? And they'll say, well, Lord willing, I will. And they're literally applying this verse. And some people take it to great extremes, you know. Are you going to have lunch today? Well, Lord willing, I will. You know, And they, they take it to extremes on everything like that. Uh, I use this term. <clears throat> I'm a businessman. I make plans. And I, I say, well, if the Lord's willing, I'm going to get that done. If the Lord's willing, I'm going to do that. I believe that's the way he looks at it. But once again, this passage has been a passage that I have looked at and missed something. Okay? Because look back at that last sentence. He says, if it is the Lord's will... We will live. What if it's not the Lord's will? Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm going to die. Okay? Have you ever thought about that? When you said, Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus. You are the Lord of my life. I confess you as Lord. I, I, I want you to save me from my sins. I want to live eternally. Did you realize that your Lord was going to determine if you lived or died? You see, guys, that's what you're saying. See, one of my fears is that my children would have grown up without a father. Now, personally, I think they still got a lot to learn, so I still feel like that's still going on. Okay? I I don't want to die because I, I want to continue being a father to my children and an uncle to my nieces and nephews. But here's the situation. If I put my faith in Jesus and I believe that He's going to provide for me and to take care of me, and I fear dying because I don't want my children to grow up without a father sounds very noble i believe it is but do you think the god of this universe that raised jesus from the dead can take care of my children without me do you think he's capable of that i believe he is so guys i I, i've had to come to that kind of a resolution that if i die tomorrow If I not fall over dead from a heart attack, guess what? I'm going to trust my Lord to take care of my children and my nieces and nephews. See guys, that's what it means to confess Jesus as Lord. That means He has control over your life. And you have to acknowledge that and realize that. When I was going through some of the biggest struggles of my life, where God was really changing the way I was thinking. I would have to constantly say, Jesus, your Lord. Jesus, I trust you. And guys, I just want to tell you, when it comes to a fear of death, or a fear of not experiencing life the way you want it, we need to understand the brevity of this life, but we also need to understand that our life is in our Lord's hands. And if He decides that you live or you die, you're okay with it either way. Guys, I don't know where you're at today. I hope you find this encouraging. I have meant for this to be encouraging for you. I will say one thing on my last point. It is difficult... To confess Jesus is Lord daily if you've never made Him Lord of your life. If you've never relinquished control of your life to Him. And instead you maintain control of your life yourself. Either you've never made a decision for Jesus, or you did make a decision and then you reneged on it. And you took control back. And so guys, I don't, whoever you are today, if you're here and you're living with Jesus as Lord, I ask you to continue to confess that and continue to look for new ways that He wants His Lordship in your life. If you made that decision and reneged, I'm asking you to change your mind. If you've never made that decision, I'm asking for the opportunity to let you know more about why you should make that decision. Guys, the good news of Jesus is good news. And it trumps the fear of death. And guys, I invite you to live your life that way. Let's pray, shall we? Father, it is awesome, and I cannot thank you enough for what this gift you've given us. Father, eternal life is the painkiller for death. Father, when I think about death and I think about leaving this world and I thinking about leaving my loved ones behind, the thought of that hurts me. But Father, the fact that You are Lord and I trust You, and the fact that there is an eternal life waiting for me and them, and that's really what this is all about, that's what's important. Father, I thank You for for... For showing these things and making them so plain. Father, I thank you that Jesus did die, that He became human and died on that cross so that He could def- just destroy the devil's power over death. And that, Father, I can live free of the slavery of my fear of death. Father, it's my prayer, it's my desire, it's my heart's desire that the, the folks that are in this room that I know and love, and that are doing their best, that they know how to follow You, experience life that way as well. Father, I believe that if the folks that claim to be a part of the Greater Alton Church can really embrace this, they will be a real light to the world, and be able to share You in some unbelievable ways. Thank You, Father. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.